Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. As always, I am your host, John June, and we are in the off-season continuing to run through these dynasty rankings uh last week we covered the quarterback position i ran through my top five guys for the incoming class as it stands right now before the nfl draft uh the week before that doug into some nfl head coaching changes and what that meant for their respective teams uh but today it's all about the wide receiver position um and this is a position i've grown a deeper appreciation for over the years i'd I'd like to say that maybe up until three years ago It was difficult for me to consistently get a productive wide receiver on my fantasy teams uh, because I was always so focused on guys that I liked because of their physical gifts. Um, But it's so much more than that, right? It's, It's route running, it's scheme fit, it's quarterback play, offensive line, what other pass catchers are on their team, how's the play calling. All of these things um, have an impact on whether a player at the wide receiver position is going to be productive in the NFL. And so, um, you know, but this is a position that I think I have a really good handle on now. Uh, And also on this show, I brought some help with me uh, along in this episode. You'll hear an interview that I did with Kevin Coleman, uh, director of football operations at the hammer at hammercast.com of the hammercast network. Uh, Kevin is really knowledgeable and we covered a bunch of different topics on this wide receiver class. So definitely stick around for that as it covers about 40 to 45 minutes. Uh, So because I don't want this episode to be too long, you'll get a slightly abbreviated version of my top five. You all all might be uh, used to me doing a a slightly longer episode, about an hour, covering through my top five. But uh, trust me, when you hear my convo with Kevin, you'll understand uh, that it was totally worth it for me to cut this down because I think we talked about eight or nine guys, uh, including the ones that I have inside my top five. So Definitely going to want to stick around for that conversation. Uh, Now, unlike the quarterback position, draft capital and landing spots can shuffle some of these guys around. So, you know, without further ado, let's just jump into the top five. My wide receiver one from this class as it stands today pre-draft is Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU. Uh, You know, it's been a while since we saw Chase on football field as he opted out. Uh, of his junior season due to COVID concerns, but the last time we saw Chase, he was absolutely dominant. Uh, as a sophomore, he he had 84 catches, uh, 1,780 yards, 20 touchdowns, even outproducing Justin Jefferson, who we saw rip up the NFL as a rookie, breaking Randy Moss's receiving record, having 1,400 yards. Uh, so you know, a lot of people point to that point to that and say, well, what would Chase do in the NFL? And you know, I love Chase's size. I love his physical presence. He's listed at six foot, two hundred and eight pounds, but when I watch him, he plays bigger than that at times. Reminiscent of how I feel, how I used to feel watching guys like Justin Blackman and Des Bryant when they were younger. Uh, both those guys listed at six one, six two. But if you told me they they were six three plus, like I, I totally would have believed you. And I get that when I watch Chase. Uh, he's a bull after the catch, which I love that in my wide receivers when they have that dog in them. Um, and, and he shows that ability to, to be an alpha at the next level. Now, Chase is expected to be the number one wide receiver off the board in April. And I can tell you right now, 
I'll be trying to get as many shares as I can. Moving on to my wide receiver two in this class, Devontae Smith of Alabama. Smith is probably one of the most polarizing prospects in this class. Uh, You either love him or you hate him. Um, You know, Smith won the Heisman as a wide receiver, becoming the first wide receiver to do that since Desmond Howard did it in 1991. Smith in his senior season at Alabama caught 117 passes, 1,856 yards, and 23 touchdowns. Now, the thing that makes Smith so polarizing is his size. He's 6'1", which is okay, but he's allegedly 175 pounds. Um, You know, when we don't know that for sure, right, that's just what he was listed at. But he chose not to weigh in at the Senior Bowl, which continued to, you know, obviously this was a concern before, but it kind of forced everybody that was, you know, uh, pounding this drum about his weight and his size, uh, kind of forced them all to double down. Uh, and, you know, the concern is that he's he's too slender and specifically his, his body mass index or his BMI is too low. Uh, and Kevin had a very interesting stat uh, about BMI, which you're, you're definitely going to want to hear, uh, especially as it pertains to Devontae Smith. Uh, but Smith is someone who I actually really like. Uh, and I initially thought that I wouldn't uh, because I know a lot of times, you know, college is a little bit different. You know, some of these guys are wide open catching the ball, uh, you know, the competition sometimes isn't too good. Uh, so, you know, when, especially when I hear about a fast guy like Devontae Smith, I initially come in, you know, uh, second-guessing their abilities, uh, not not entirely, but just kind of they got to prove to me that, I, you know, that, I, that they can play at that point. Um, you know, so I, I look for little things in his game. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot to like about Devontae Smith. You know, he's very skilled in terms of his releases, uh, the little things he does, like working his way back to the ball or even finding the soft spot in zones. I also love that he has very long arms and he definitely shows some toughness, which is one of the things that I look for in smaller, slender guys. Uh, you know, how tough are you? Uh, he's a willing blocker, but he's obviously not going to kill anybody. Um, but, you know, does show toughness after the catch, also shows some swagger, uh, likes to talk a little bit of trash, too. So I like that in Devontae Smith. And, you know, again, I'm not going to just kill him because of, of one thing or another. Um, you know, I'm going to take all of, the, all of the data points in and, and try to make the best decision that I can. Um, you know, now my model isn't very high on Smith at all. Uh, I, I, but I, again, I liked what I've seen on film. But when you have to consider these size limitations, it, it's definitely something to consider as I continue to comp- compile my rankings and my wide receiver tiers. Uh, but as it stands today, I've got Devontae Smith as my wide receiver, too. Moving on to my wide receiver three, Rondale Moore, uh, the wide receiver from Purdue. I get so hyped when I'm watching this dude. He's not the biggest guy, uh, just 5'9", but he's thick in the lower half. And depending on where you get his weight, uh, you know, whether it's the team website or player profile or or, or, pro, or college football reference, somewhere between 175 and 180. So while he might be the same weight as Smith, he wears it differently. Uh, you know, again, like I said, he's thick in the lower half. You, you know, you just look at this guy's his thighs and his trunk, uh, you know, it, you can see, uh, you know, it's easy to believe on the on the, bra- on the broadcast. They said that he squat 600 pounds as a true freshman. Easy, easy to believe that. Um, 
Yo, but this guy has so much upside, and he looks like the perfect fit for a Shanahan disciple looking at you, New York Jets. Uh, but, you know, the way the way that Purdue used him reminds me so much of how the 49ers use guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, where he can be used in the backfield on jet sweeps, uh, on swing passes. Uh, he lines up as a return man and, and is very shifty in the open field as a punt returner. Uh, he can line up as a traditional wide receiver and win on the outside. And, um, you know, you it's really evident the speed that he has because when you watch these college DBs just play off of him, they, they respect that speed. Um, and as a true freshman, he had 114 catches, 1,258 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Also added another 200 yards rushing with two, two other touchdowns that way. So definitely showed everything that you would want at just 18 years old. Uh, the downside here with, with Rondell Moore is this guy only played seven games the last two years. He's dealt with some injuries. But this guy is definitely one of my favorites in the class when I watch him play. So he's somebody that I'll have my eyes on uh, all throughout the process and kind of seeing where he lands. But he's a guy that I, I really, really like. The Next guy I have on this list, my wide receiver four, um, and the, you know it, it starts to get a little bit tricky as you get down in this range, because uh, again, uh, as I've said many many times before, wide receiver position is a flavor. Uh, you know what kind of guys do you like, and uh, you know this, so it gets a little bit you know muddled up down here as you get close as you get farther farther down the rankings. But my wide receiver four, uh, as it stands today, is Rashad Bateman the junior from Minnesota. Uh, this guy is another polarizing guy for me, and, and I feel like I could end up moving him up or down depending on what happens in April. Um, so one of the things about me, uh, because I don't get eyes on a lot of these guys before they declare for the NFL draft, uh, one of the things I try not to do is I try not to consume other people's content regarding you know, the incoming rookie class. Uh, not because I don't trust them or because I don't value their opinions. I, I really do. It's just that I don't want my process being uh, affected or, um, you know, I don't want to have come in with any preconceived notions or any biases. Uh, I just want to, you know, look at these guys with my fresh set of clean, my fresh set of eyes and form an opinion, uh, you know, so that it's truly my opinion. But um, Bateman was a guy that people have been discussing since the summer. Uh, so he's always been in the back of my mind as someone to watch. And the first couple times I watched him, I was not very impressed. Um, but my model really likes him and people that I respect also really like him. So I just kept digging in to see what am I, what is it that I'm missing? And, and you'll want to hear this because Kevin and I had an interesting discussion about Bateman as well. So listen to that. But for me, he's, he's long and he's linear at 6'2", 210, not overly explosive, uh, seems like he's always running option routes, uh, which shows good awareness. Uh, he's very nuanced in how he sets up defenders, but um, you know maybe that that option route, the the fact that he's constantly running these option routes, will you know leads to him not looking as explosive because uh, he's he's running and thinking and uh, trying to set up defenders and whatnot. But I remember you know seeing him take off on a screen pass and seeing some speed there. So he's somebody that I'm, I would be really interested to see how he tests because uh, I want to see if there's more there athletically. Um, but he's someone who, 
for me it will definitely depending on the it'll definitely depend on the landing spot uh, because if he ends up uh, in a situation with a good quarterback with a good offensive offensive mind and maybe another good receiver around him uh, then you'll you'll um, you could see him be productive uh, you know he's he's somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if he has an, an 80 90 100 catch season uh, within the next two three years um, but again it's going to all be dependent on that landing spot and the quarterback that he ends up with now my wide receiver five uh, this one was tough because I juggled between two or three guys here to put into my wide receiver five. But uh, I'm going to go with Terrace Marshall Jr., uh, the wide receiver from LSU, the the other LSU wide receiver. Uh, Marshall was interesting because, you know, he was overshadowed in 2019 by both Chase and Jefferson. Uh, but when Chase opted out for 2020, Marshall stepped in as the top target for the LSU offense. He had 731 yards and, and 10 touchdowns in seven games after after seeing 671 yards and 13 touchdowns in 12 games the year before. Obviously was playing with Joe Burrow, who ended up being the number one pick and had a, a bunch of other weapons around him. But, um, you know, that 731 yards, 10 touchdowns in in just seven games, very good numbers for Terrace Marshall would obviously be. Uh, career highs if you extrapolated that out to 12 games um, but he's a big target at 6'3 200 pounds shows well after the catch and even showed the ability to be a usable deep threat too um, and again that that size that he has uh, and that length he's makes him a weapon inside the red zone so Marshall was a guy who should be more productive in the NFL than he was in college and so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where he goes in April's draft um now, some other guys that I really do like that, I, you know, I'm just going to give you one guy that I really like and could have been in this five spot for me. Um, and again, we're, we're going to talk about him in the interview with Kevin, but Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver from USC. Uh, he's somebody that I really just am gravitated towards. He's got a, a, he's got this toughness about him. Uh, he's just got this dog mentality. Uh, he's an explosive athlete. Uh, he's savvy because, you know, he could work outside he could work inside the slot as well so he's somebody that I really like has some injury concerns but definitely someone who I will be interested in trying to grab in these upcoming rookie drafts now that's all I have in terms of the wide receivers from me uh, but please definitely stick around for this interview with Kevin uh, like I said runs about 40 minutes or so also, make sure you subscribe to the HammerCast YouTube channel as well, uh, you know, so you can start taking uh, taking in Kevin's great content as it pertains to Dynasty and Devi if you aren't already. So make sure you do that. He's got the details about that at the end of the at the end of the interview as well. So definitely want to make sure you guys are you all out there are aware of that one as well. But as it pertains to next week, uh, again, just make sure you come back next week. Got another really good show planned with another really great guest. So uh, keep an eye out for that on the feed. Uh, but until then, be safe, y'all, and we are out. The first guest of 2021, uh, he's the director of football operations at HammerCast.com. He's the host of the Double D's podcast, does great work as a writer as well, someone whose content I, I've really enjoyed uh, before. So Kevin Coleman, or as we know him, the boys underscore 22 on Twitter. 
Kevin, how you doing, man? Welcome, welcome to the show. Hey, man. I'm just I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to get on and talk to you for the first time this year. I'm glad I'm your first guest. That makes me feel honored. Look at this, and uh, <laughs> I'm ready just to talk some football. That's why we're here, right? Yes, sir. Let's do it, man. Uh, like you know, my my guests are probably or my listeners have probably heard at this point uh, talking about the upcoming wide receiver class for the 2021 NFL Draft. Uh, covered pass passers last week this week is pass catchers so kevin you're somebody who's uh you know the way you view the wide receiver position i've you know see i've read some of your content i've I've heard you talk about the position before i really like your overall perspective of the position so uh you know you felt like someone who would be perfect to have this conversation with regarding this class especially considering you know you do a lot of of debbie work as well so you know some of these guys you probably had eyes on since they were seniors in high school um so you know being somebody who's i don't really look at these look at these wide receivers or just these players up until they declare for the nfl draft so picking your brain here thought would be great so who who's your wide receiver one and wide receiver two in this class i know that there's a a, you know the top two is is flipped a lot depending on who you ask but who are your top two guys in this class yeah no um you know receivers for me is one of my favorite positions to scout and like you said i haven't watched these guys for a long time that kind of dates me a little bit i'm getting a little older uh but (laughs) i I have had these guys you know and and my wide receiver one is jamar chase um he's one of the my most favorite wide receiver prospects probably since julio jones and i'm not comparing him to julio but I'm just saying as far as someone who I think can make an immediate impact in the league, it's Jamar. You know, he's six foot, 208 pounds. And people forget because he opted out because of COVID this last year. They forget what he did his, his the previous season. And he had 84 catches for 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. And, and, and he was playing alongside Justin Jefferson, but he was so damn good. No one even remembers Justin Jefferson, really. And um, and, and he kind of overshadowed Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson just broke the Randy Moss's rookie wide receiver record. Um, and so it's funny to me when I hear people say, oh, well, they're starting to pick at Chase now. They're starting to, like, kind of mm-hmm. nitpick him. And for me, when I'm watching that wide receiver, it's off the line. How good are they off the line? And can they can they break press coverage? But it's just his release, right? That's kind of – that's my starting point with all these guys, whether or not they're seniors in high school or seniors in college. What does the release look like? And Chase has one of the best releases in college football, and he did last year. Uh, so for me, when I look at Chase, he's the clear number one. He's in a tier of his own. And he's someone that attacks the ball. He, he He's great at catching at the high point. 50-50 balls, this guy goes get some. And he's someone that I think his best ability is after the catch. He just gains after yards. And in, on 50-50 balls, I think one underrated thing we think of with wide receivers is how do they get open and how do they use their hands? You'll watch him. When you watch his tape, everybody listen to this, go watch his tape. You'll see not the wide open catches. That stuff doesn't matter to me. But if you watch his 50-50 balls and can he go up there in traffic, you'll notice how he uses his hands to get that separation. And, and good wide receivers will do that. And Chase does that. And that is something that I think separates him as the wide receiver one. Yeah, no, man, I, I, I'm with you. Chase is my, my wide receiver one as well. Uh, you know, I love a lot of the stuff that you were saying, especially about how, you know, people are starting to nitpick at yeah. it. I feel like that happens a lot, especially with the top guy, especially when he hasn't played in a year. You know, you're just looking for reasons to, you know, to poke holes in his game or say he can't do certain things. But like you said, go back, cut on the film. He was one of the best receivers in that 2019 season while playing next to 
as you said, Justin Jefferson, who turns out to to be an absolute star in the NFL in year one. So I'm with you. I'm expecting big things from Jamar Chase. Um, who is your wide receiver two, though? Because I know this is where it gets interesting sometimes. Yeah, my wide receiver two is Jalen Waddle, uh, and not maybe the Alabama receiver some people have, um, but it's it's Waddle. And the reason why it's Waddle for me. You know, he was on a record-setting pace this year, just like Devonta Smith. And had he not gotten hurt, you know, in in the games that he played this year, he had 28 catches, 591 yards, and four touchdowns. He was well on his way to being to being maybe a Heisman candidate. That's how good he was playing. He, he averaged over 21 yards a catch. And that, that number can be misleading sometimes in college. But he's just explosive. I think the thing about him is his speed, but also just he's an He's just an ultra athlete out there. He's capable of running a variety of routes. And I love his route running. He's an all-level threat. So what I mean by that is, like, no matter what level he catches that ball, he's just going to go up and dominate. And he's had some of the best catches I've seen. Uh, he had a couple catches this year. Um, one of his catches last year against Missouri was one of the craziest catches I've ever seen in my life with a wide receiver. Uh, and he's just one of those guys that I think people forgot about because, again, he got injured. So he, he definitely is someone for me that I think has – he could have one of the highest ceilings of the wide receivers, even Jamar. I think Waddle could actually – he could get there, and that's just one of those guys that I think – because he can get lined up anywhere, multiple alignments, slot outside. He can even be put in the backfield. This guy is kind of the weapon that we expected other guys like Ruggs to be, where he, Ruggs is not this level of athlete. Waddle is that extra guy of athlete. So he's my wide receiver too right now. Yeah, man, I I really like that because uh, you know I haven't seen a lot of Waddle personally, right? He was like you said, he was injured this year. Yeah, he's somebody that I only really start to dug into, to you know, really start to dig into, um, you know. But like you said, he's he was on these crowded wide receiver corps before, you know, with Waddle. I mean, with Smith, with Jerry Judy, with Henry Ruggs, even with Cal- I think Kim and Calvin Ridley overlapped at one point too, if I'm not mistaken. So these guys, um, you know when Alabama receivers get brought up a lot of times, I feel like Waddle is that forgotten guy. Uh, so, you know, I, I know that uh, the other wide, the other Alabama wide receiver, you know, Devonte Smith, he's usually in this com- topic of conversation between the wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Where do you have him ranked out of curiosity? So he is my wide receiver four and four five. He's in that range for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason why he's in my in that he's down for me that low is because he, he's his BMI and how small he is. And I know I'm gonna get some of the guys out there. It's the BMI doesn't matter, but it does. And you know, if he, it depends on what he measures in at. And I don't know if you've noticed him. He's just a really small guy. If his BMI is under 24 and a half, and this stat has always stood out to me ever since I saw it. It, it's probably going to be under 24 and a half in the last 20 years. There's only been three guys that have finished in the top 24 fantasy rankings. And that, and those three guys were Deshaun Jackson, Mario Manningham. And I don't even know if you remember Brandon Lloyd from Illinois back in the day. Oh yeah. Though, yeah. Those are the only three guys that have been drafted in the top four rounds that have under a 24 and a half BMI that have actually finished in the top 24 for fantasy purposes. And that scares me. And, I, and, I, and that, that number scares me. And the other guys on that list, like Brandon Tate, D.D. Westbrook, Josh Reynolds, all these guys that you're looking at, they never really made that big of an impact. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Devonta Smith. He had a hell of a year, especially at Alabama, and he won the Heisman. But in the NFL, size does matter. And he worries me if he's going to be under that 24 and a half BMI. 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a great stat that you brought up there. Um, you know, when I watch Devonte Smith, I do see. You know, when I when I see small guys, right, or see guys that are labeled as speed guys, when I watch them for the first time, I want to see how are you after the catch? How are you when you know you're going to get hit or when you have to, you know, do some dirty work? And Devontae Smith, to me, uh, you know, he does show toughness after the catch. I think in the national championship he he ran through somebody. And I, I know I was watching his Georgia game. He he ran somebody over then, too. Um, you know, he's not a he's not going to kill anybody as a blocker, but he, he is willing to, to block. He's willing to give effort. So he's somebody who, you know, I have him as my wide receiver too. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, you know, as we do these rankings, uh, I do understand the BMI is a concern. I I was not aware of that stat, um, but he, you know, like we talked, like I talked about, uh, when I see the toughness that he brings, when I see even saw him talk some trash after after a touchdown before, uh, you know, come works his way back to the ball. You know, when I see those those little things, I think, hey, this is a guy that right out of the gate, he should be productive. He should bring back some value to you, uh, depending on obviously the landing spot, as yeah. you know, as usual with the wide receiver position. But you know, he does strike me as somebody who can, uh, you know, bring back some value in year one. Yeah, I, I think it just depends. I, I think it depends on where he goes. And I also – I just – it's hard for me to get back of it. I mean, the thing is with me, I see more Robbie Anderson than I see, like, a top-end wide receiver for Devonta Smith. So the thing about me when I'm looking at my fantasy rankings is if I'm going to spend a high pick on somebody, I'm going to take a Waddle or a Jamar over Devonta because the hit rate is better. So if I can hit a 50 or 60% hit rate on a guy that I'm taking in the top five, I'm going to take that guy over Devonta Smith. I just think it's too much of a risk. Now, he could be an outlier, right? So he could be that guy that just, oh, yeah, man, I missed it. Yeah, he was. He was that good. And, and I'll take that because success rate for me is a big deal. Um, breakout age is a big deal. And he was, you know, he was a senior breakout technically from the perspective that we're looking at. And that makes me nervous. So I understand what you're saying. And I don't fault you for having a wide receiver too, because he definitely put up the numbers and he's worth it in terms of it depends on what you see from the tape. It's just for me, it always comes down to, am I willing to take that risk? And for him and for the numbers and for like guys like that, I just mentioned, I'm just not, I just would rather take someone with a little bit more upside and a safer floor, I guess I'll put it. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense, right? Because at the end of the day, we are playing a game of probability. We are trying to, you know, uh, make the best decision that we can, especially when things are so close, right? Uh, you you would you want to take the less the less less risky route, or maybe the the more uh, higher upside yeah. route, uh, depending on which which angle you're looking at. So we talked about your wide receivers one, two, and four. So who's your wide receiver? Three? This is my guy, uh, and I've been really high on him um, for the past for the past year. Uh, and it, his name is Terrace Marshall from LSU. Uh, this is a, this is a, I don't want to say a hot take, but this is a, this is a, I think for me, like I said, ceiling, he fits the profile. So he, he I don't, would I would, I, I warn people to not just look at the numbers. Now his numbers were fine. He played, he played this season about half the year and he opted out after LSU just looked awful. And after, you know, the, the COVID, he used the COVID excuse or whatever it was. So he had 48 catches, 731 yards and 10 touchdowns. And for me at 6'3", 200, he has that size. And so for me, when I look at him, he's a versatile receiver and he can go from that slot and the out. So he can actually, he's a 6'3", slot receiver in some, in some instances. And when you see, when you think of that, 
he's versatile. Um, you know, his run after catchability, he, he's each year he had at least a 40 yard touchdown pass. Uh, and especially last year, a 75 yard touchdown um, catch and run. So his route running is really good. He's a pretty technical, refined route runner. So when you watch him and again, I love his release, but I also love his size. But his route running is pretty almost almost to where you're like, hey, yeah, he can do that in the NFL right now. And so there there are times now there are things he needs he needs to work on. He's pretty inconsistent as a blocker. Uh, and it's really, it, he, his motor sometimes is weird because obviously he opted out. So that's kind of knock against him after what they had, but he averaged more than hundred receiving yards per game in, in 2020. And, and for me, production matters and his size. I just love that big bodied receiver. And I think he has the most upside of these guys. And he's someone that's going to be a sleeper because I think that he'll fall in the second round of rookie drafts. And he's a guy. So Marshall would be a guy that I'd rather take over Smith just be because I know the player profile or everything that kind of leads me to get Marshall in my drafts and I could take someone better in the first round and, and look for Marshall in the second, just give me that value. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on Terrence, on yeah. Terrence Marshall, man. He's somebody that, um, you know, it's funny cause he's almost forgotten as well. Right. He's just, some people might know him as that. Who's that other LSU wide receiver that they had sometimes. <laughs> so like to me, <laughs> you know, between Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, right? So to me, he's a guy that, you, like you said, can be forgotten um, because I, you know, I cut his tape on the other day and I, I, be, I, came, I came away mm -hmm. fully impressed from, you know, like you said, he's a guy that, um, you know, is big, he's fast, uh, has run after the catch ability. He actually, um, I mean, I don't, you would probably know better than me. He looked like he was even faster in 2020 than he was in 2019. And so, you know, when I see a guy like that totally fits the profile that you would want from a receiver that could potentially hit that ceiling that we look for when we're in these these uh, rookie drafts looking for these wide receivers. So given that ceiling that we look for, you know, which of the which are the guys maybe outside your top three? I know we covered four so far, but which of these guys do you think uh, could make the case? to beach uh, chase for the number one guy. Yeah. And so I, I, I laugh about this one because I've been, this, this receiver for me, I've been going back and forth on this guy for, I, I feel like three years and it's Rondale Moore uh, from Purdue. And, you know, he, he doesn't fit my ideal size, right? Five, nine, one seventy five. So when I, I laugh, when I think about Devonta Smith, but they're different because he's got a bigger build. And yeah, if you've ever seen Rondale Moore's thighs and legs, he's a beast. He's a man. <laughs> he's a man out there and it laugh. But, you know, I think with him after watching his, what he did his freshman year is basically what you needed to see, you know, 114 catches, 1300, almost 1300 yards. He had 12 touchdowns. And what he did against Ohio state would always stay in my mind. And as a Michigan fan, anytime I can see Ohio, State get just embarrassed on the field. That's what I'm here for. And, and you know, when you look at more, he run after catches huge. He's fast. He's going to be able to split defenses down the seam. He's really good. He's actually a very good route runner. I think he gets kind of knocked for some reason. I don't know why. He sets up. He sets up his defenders good, and he's got that vertical threat, which allows him to really put pressure on defenses. He's got that special team kind of advantage too. He's got that rushing rushing usage, and he's going to be used there. I think. What it's going to come down to with Rondale, he's versatile and he can do kind of he can get plug and play. Where does he go? So if he can go to a team that can offensive game plan for him and get him more involved, I think that he's going to have a really high ceiling because that's when that's when he's going to be able to show his skills. 
I just worry he has been injured. I know he's played seven games the last two years because he was injured his, his sophomore year. And then this year, um, COVID, he and an opt out, he got hurt. So I know that he hasn't played a fully healthy more. We haven't seen that since his freshman year, but a fully healthy more his freshman year was one of the best receivers in college football. So I think he's going to be a heck of a value. I don't know what necessarily where he's going to go. I think his pro day is important, but that's a guy just based on his, his kind of role that he can play. He, and I think I saw a comp somewhere. He's like a Swiss army knife and he is because he can play so many different positions and he's just a multi-purpose weapon and a weapon like that in the NFL is what they're looking for. And people, I don't know what you think about the comparison to Tyreek. And I hate when people compare people to Tyreek because Tyreek is Tyreek is a freak, guys. Like when you hear, when you see that, that's just lazy. I feel like I, I, I really actually think that Rondale is more like Percy Harvin. So I've always kind of made that comp as like a Percy Harvin slash just kind of his own guy because I, I don't really like comps that much. But he reminds me of this Percy Harvin kind of guy. I know he's smaller, but that kind of role. And if he gets into the right role that maybe Percy didn't, then I think I can see him maybe sneaking into that top two. Yeah, man, I absolutely love this take. Uh, Rondell Moore is my wide receiver three, so he's eligible for me to, to answer for this question because I absolutely am in love with this kid, man. Um, I mean, like you said, the the, the Ohio State the Ohio State take might have did it for me too because uh, he absolutely yeah. destroyed them. Uh, was just eating Sean Wade alive, but uh, he's a guy that. You know, I looked at him and I watched how they, how Purdue was using him on, on jet sweeps and those swing routes. And uh, I'm with you. I don't, I don't like comps. I, I don't, you know, I just like to yeah. think every player is their own player in, in a sense, right? But Rondell Moore just, he just seems like the type of guy Kyle Shanahan yeah. salivates over. Like, how do I get this guy in my offense and, you know, use him like I use a Debo Samuel or maybe even a Brandon Ayuk? And so, um, you know, to see him, if to see him fit, or maybe see him in an offense like that, that like you were saying, that will use his skills, game plan for him, uh, use him all over the field, whether it's out wide or in the backfield in the slot, um, and like you said, the punt returning as well. I mean, if you play in return yardage leagues, I mean, this guy should should provide value that way right away as well. So I'm absolutely in love with Rondell Moore. Um, I know before you talked about Jamar Chase being in a tier of his own. Where do you think you know? Where do you see? I guess the next set of receivers uh, in the in, t- in that tier. Yeah. So I, essentially, kind of where I have my guys right now is is Jamar Chase, kind of at his own. He's up at the top, and then after that, I, I have Waddle, and I, I have Waddle basically, and Marshall, and then yeah, I'll put probably Devonta in there. So that's kind of my tier two uh, in that that range, and then I'll then my next tier is essentially you got more. And then Bateman in there, uh, and that's kind of where I have those tiers. And then after that, it gets really muddled, as you probably know. It, there's a lot of this class. There's a lot of dudes that kind of in that in that weird tier four ish tier, late tier three, tier four ish area, and it gets really, really crowded. Yeah, I mean, it definitely gets crowded. It's, it's tough because I always say this about the receiver position. It's it's like a flavor type of position. Like, what kind of guys do you want? Even when we get to the point where these guys are established top 24 uh, wide receivers, we're still trying to decide, okay, do I want the, the PPR guy or do I want the guy that's going to give me the big yeah. play, the big boom ability? Like we're, it's, it's a, it's a flavor position. And so I definitely feel that I'm glad that you brought up Bateman. He's a guy that I know a lot of people are high on and 
you know, I do modeling through, you know, through data. I just started doing that last year. And Bateman was a guy that comes back really, really positive in the model and, you know, doing some digging. He's starting to, um, he's starting to, to, to sneak up on me there a little bit as somebody that I, I'm actually starting to like uh, the nuanced route running. I just thought that, you know, the idea that he was better in 2019 playing opposite Tyler Johnson, who was a better receiver. I mean, granted, his role was completely different from 2019 to 2020, had a shortened season. But um, what do you? What are your thoughts on? This? Yeah, so Bateman's weird because I, you know, beginning of this year, I was never really high on Bateman, and one of the reasons why. I, I was kind of nervous about Bateman was because that offense in Minnesota puts a lot of pressure on those safeties. And so if you ever watch Minnesota's offense and where the slot receiver plays, they, they anytime they run a too high safety, any kind of coverage, cover, cover two, even cover three, whatever they do, you know, uh, Fleck down there or up there, I guess that he, he does a great job of like disguising his disguising his receivers routes. And that slot receiver really runs free a lot. So you'll watch Bateman's you're going to watch Bateman and Bateman runs mm-hmm. free all over the field. And so I didn't know, you know, for me when I was watching tape, I'm like, okay, is it more of a process? Is it because of the the offense and the scheme, or is it Bateman? And I still don't know. I, I think it's in the middle, right? I think the scheme, like, if you look at what Tyler Johnson did, and I still like Johnson, but you know, w- when you look at kind of where he got kind of dragged in that depth chart in the Bucks, and now you have Bateman. I think Bateman could be very. He could be the next T Higgins, right? He could be that guy that people to kind of slept on, and then they get him at the beginning of the second, or maybe even the late first, but probably beginning in the second and he kind of has that year but I feel like Bateman is more landing spot dependent than a lot of these guys um and I also I'm just worried about maybe his drops what we've seen from him um I, I know that he, he kind of has that I I've, I've seen him go a ton to like um the Ravens and that scares the crap out of me as someone who has Bateman in a couple of Debbie leagues because I, I he needs to go somewhere where they have a good quarterback because I don't think he's good enough to He's not one of those guys like DeAndre Hopkins. That dude could play with like Warful and all these other dudes and be that guy. Bateman's not going to be that guy, but he's he's in the middle for me. I still think that he has a shot. Guys that I respect put him at their wide receiver one, uh, and that that makes me really you know merely think about it. Like, oh, what am I missing here? But I still think uh, that scheme helps him. I, I really do, and, and I'm, I'm a little nervous about his route running and kind of where he he comes into that because he's not very fast, and so that separation caught that issue is I think is still going to be there. Yeah, like you said to your to your earlier point, he is kind of running free. You know, I wrote down it seems like he's running an option route <laughs> yeah. on every play, um, but you know he sets it up very well. Uh, you know the way he's you know nuanced and how he's setting up defenders, um, but. Anyway, Bateman, he he definitely is interesting. I also wrote down that his testing numbers intrigue me because it seems like there's a good athlete there. But like you said, I don't know how fast he is. Uh, and then you watch him take off on, on a screen pass. I forget who, who it was against. It was like 70 yards. And I'm like, okay, maybe there's something there um, that's untapped and maybe we just don't see it. Um, now, I know we talked about – you said that Terrace Williams could probably be a sleeper. Is that somebody that you're looking to – to target as no i have a deep sleeper you want my deep sleeper this is a guy that's super deep and his name is isaiah mccoy from kent state uh this guy if you haven't checked out his film he's someone that i just i i've really again he's just he's 63 200 again um and, and when you're looking at breakout numbers so he's a junior came out early 
And when you're looking at break, breakout, kind of he broke out basically as a teenager and has improved every year. So right out of high school, he hit that breakout dom- denominator that we want. And each year he got better. So each year you'll see it. And he he's big. He's got excellent speed. And he's got big play potential. He, he even did very well. Now, I know he plays at Kent State. So there is a knock against he, – he probably, you know, playing Bowling Green instead of playing Alabama is definitely going to help him. But – he did have a pretty good game his sophomore year against Auburn. So if you go back and watch that film, I think he had like 70 yards of touchdown. Uh, he has really good big play potential. He creates separation. So when you're looking at him, he, he's athletic enough. He's a freaking efficient route runner. So when you're watching him, uh, he sets up his defenders well, especially for a bigger receiver. Uh, he's got good hands. And I think the one thing that I always kind of touch on with receivers too is intangibles. And what do they have? And, and I love those intangibles. I'm a coach, so I like seeing the little things that guys do. This dude is the, has the hardest motor I've ever seen. Now, he, he can get a little carried away, so he can get in trouble a little bit because he plays so hard and, he, and he's a great blocker and he plays with a chip on his shoulder. But those are the type of guys that I'm thinking of sleepers. I'm saying, okay, if, if you're a sleeper, you need that chip, right? You're probably – he's going to be late. I think he's a day three pick, but I think that – he can be that guy that like goes into the training camp and just works his butt off and finds a role. And so he's someone that's super late. You're probably gonna get him in the fourth or fifth round or maybe undrafted, but he will be on every single one of my dynasty teams. So I, I'm going to be grabbing him. Is it Isaiah McCoy from Kent state? Okay. I'm definitely going to have to check him out because I, of the 17 or so receivers I've looked at so far, he was not on my list. So, um, Kevin, I know that, you know, you know, I've mentioned before I do some modeling and so a lot of the yeah. combine testing results are important for me and, you know, having that controlled environment for years of testing is helpful. Uh, so I have to find ways to basically accommodate for that part of the process this year. How has the pandemic maybe affected your process at all? Yeah, it's – well, I will say, you know, for everybody out there that doesn't play in a Debbie league, I think that – it's helped. It hasn't hurt me as much just because I've been watching these guys, like you said, since their high school year. Like I've, I've kind of, I know these guys, I don't want to say inside and out because no one does. Cause that'd just be arrogant to say, but I've watched them play for two or three years now. And some of these guys I've had on my roster for like three years. So you tend to kind of make, you kind of know after a year, right. And you, and you have your modeling and you have your stuff that you do. And I, and I use way smarter people than me for that, but I definitely watch and, and I, I've seen them. So, I will say, though, and if you do play in those W leagues and stuff, you're not scrambling right now. And I think that you have an advantage over guys in rookie drafts because you've been able to kind of see this and you kind of know their testing and, you know, the game film. Because everybody everybody out there can watch the five-minute, like, just bomb productions on YouTube and be like, oh, yeah, I got that. That's my guy. Like, I watch tape, right? Like, that's – I love those guys. Those guys <laughs> make me laugh. And it's like, no, that's not what you need to see. And, and there's little tidbits of scouting that you really got to notice. And so I think it's hurt, and I think it's going to hurt teams too. And I think you would agree, it's going to hurt some of these. It's going to really show who, what teams have good scouting departments and which ones don't. Because a lot of teams they don't even start scouting until after the NFL season's over, and they really use the combine. So that's going to hurt, you know. And, and so I think uh, it, it's been less hard on me just because I've been watching these guys. But it also, you know, with that, like some of these teams didn't play that much so the Pac-12 was a cluster this year and so they played maybe two three sometimes four games some played six so it's definitely hard like I'm on Ron State Brown as someone I really like 
but he definitely didn't have the year that I, I would have liked to see out of him. And, and but I, how much can you take that into account, right? Because of how messed up the year was. So it's it's difficult. I think it's a it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot more fun because now you really got to test yourself and your ability to kind of find these guys. But it's it's been harder. It definitely has been harder. Yeah, man. I I, uh, I could definitely see how as a as a Debbie person, this could definitely yeah. give you the uh, the advantage here. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's a process. It's going to be a process for all these teams. Uh, it's going to be a process for, for everybody involved, uh, even the players too. So, um, you know, I know that last year's class was really, really good. Uh, it was advertised as such. Uh, people even compared it to the 2014 class, uh, which I will agree. It, I would say it was as good as that 20, that 2014 class. Where do you think this 2021 class? Could yeah, this is this would be an interesting question in a couple of years. I, you know, I, I right now I think that there the way I look at it, there's there's more wide receiver ones in the 2020 class than there are more than there are in the 2021 class. So I I, I think there could be potentially two really good wide receiver ones from 2021, like my Waddle and Chase. And then after that, it gets a little bit murky for me. I feel like there's more top-end talent in the 2020 class, but I do feel like in the 2021 class, there's going to be a lot of wide receiver two and threes that we be like we can kind of rely on. So overall talent, I think I, I, I think 2020 will be overall, I think, top-end. They're really good. And then 2021, I think that you're going to have two really good guys and then a bunch of kind of just wide receiver two, threes. Yeah, actually, I think that's a really good way of putting it because I've been trying yeah. to come up with a way to compare, you know, this class to that class. And I'm like, well, last year's class, you know, was really top heavy. Uh, but that's a really good way to put it in the sense that there, yeah, there are, there were more wide receiver ones in that class. But this class, you'll still be able to get those twos and those threes, which just speaks to yeah. the depth that this class does have in a sense, right? Maybe it's not as good as last year's class, but it could be as deep potentially. So I like that. Um, so I'm just going to ask you about, you know, a few more prospects here. I don't want to take up all your time here, but um, what, you did bring up Amon Ross St. Brown. He's somebody that has stuck out to me as well, um, as well as Tylen Wallace. So where do you – we're going to do a little this or that. Which one of these guys uh, do you prefer? Amon Ross St. Uh, Brown or Tylen Wallace? Yeah, they're very close. But I, I, I'm going to skew towards just just because the intangible parts towards Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he has a bigger frame. And as a junior, he came out and he had that breakout dominator. Uh, 6'1", 195. And I think the thing about him is that he can just score and he's great from the slot. So I think he has a role more than Wallace. I think I think Wallace's role is kind of undefined because I don't know if Wallace is fast enough to be on the outside, but I don't know if he's big enough to play in a slot. But Brown's a slot guy. He's going to get in that slot, and that's his job. And I think that he he he's good in and out of breaks. He scores. He's he's another guy, intangible, works his butt off, and he and he really does have that great tempo. So I'm going to lean Brown on that one just because of intangibles and because he has a role. Yeah, I have I have Brown one spot ahead. Uh, Brown is yeah. like you said, he's got he's got a dog in him, man, and I and I really do like that from my receivers. Uh, somebody who who has that dog in him has the ability to show that they can be an alpha if need be. Um, what about? Elijah Moore versus Kadarius. Give me more. So uh, Tony's one of these guys that's just been. Whew, they, he's been rising up the the 
everybody's talking about Tony right now, but <laughs> I think people forget like what Elijah Moore did. You know, he's 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 four four speed, so Moore is going to be your four four guy. Uh, and, and from what I see from him, and he had a great year at Ole Miss, wide open offense looked really good. Five nine one eighty five for me, and he. But I think the thing that Moore separates more than Tony is Moore can catch better. He has better hands. Um, I, I'm more impressed with Moore's hands. I know Tony's going to be fast too. He's going to be. He's projected maybe four three if he can get there, but probably more of a four four. But give me the guy that I think is a better has better hands, and that's going to be that's going to be more. Yeah, Tony's somebody who, you know, like uh, from the pro- my process hasn't been, you know, my model hasn't been too high on yeah. Tony. Not great to him at all, actually. Um, and but he's somebody who, you know, I, I do. There's, you know, like a lot of guys in the in the draft Nick community, they're high on Tony, and they're talking about, you know, I heard Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report saying how Tony could be, he'd be yeah. shocked if Tony doesn't make it as a first round pick. And so when when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, well, what what am I kind of missing here? Um, so you know, Ken, well, I was just curious to hear your thoughts no, there. No, Why I was gonna say, I mean, Henry Ruggs went the first sorry, round too, saying. John, and uh, you know, that, I, that's my kind of my <laughs> ideal with Tony. Like, yeah, he's fast, but that doesn't make. I think he's nothing more than a wide receiver three. That's my opinion. But I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, about more. No, yeah, you're good, man. No. Uh, I'm with you, man. Elijah Moore, he's somebody that I, I do like. He's somebody that I, I um, have to do some more work on. But um, I know we we both said we don't like comps. But one of the like one of the things I said when I wrote down was mm. I, was, I was getting some Tyler Lockett vibes from Elijah Moore. Um, how how off do you think? No, I, I, you know I like say? that. I think I think uh, Moore is going to be a little faster, um, but he. he I think more is a little bit more versatile, but no, I like that. I think that they're both pretty good at demonstrates toughness and, and they both are smaller guys that can catch in traffic. So I, I do like that. No, I, I don't mind that the comp at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, man. So before I let yeah. you go, I just wanted to ask you about two more prospects here. Uh, Cause two guys that, you know, uh, one guy here, Nico yeah. Collins from Michigan. I know you said you're a Michigan fan. So well, I'm expecting some some good insight here, but Nico Collins, he's somebody that, um, you know, I think I had tweeted it out a couple of weeks ago that, you know, I was curious to see what he would do at the Senior Bowl. Seems like he came back a little bit lighter, uh, which which helped him. But where do you think his role is? You know, in the it, NFL it's hard to scout guys from Michigan because of how bad they produce talent there. And I'll be honest, like, it's really hard. Cause like, I love Donovan <laughs> people's Jones. I've loved him since I watched him in college, but they've had such poor quarterback play of Michigan receivers. You just don't know. Right. Like it's one of those things. I think he's, he Collins is the type of kid that's going to be better in the NFL than he has. He was in Michigan. And I think it's because of just what he's going to have around him. Um, and it's just that passing game is so bad. So the, he's a guy worth the risk because I think that he just got screwed in basically where he went to college. Had he gone somewhere else, we probably may be talking about him as a day two, day three pick. Uh, he's got big size at 6'4", 215. He's pretty well-rounded. Now, I don't think he'll, he'll ever be like – like a wide receiver one, like dominant guy, but he's definitely someone that he can, with his size and his gear, he can definitely go against some defensive backs and he can, he can help you in the vertical passing. Like if he, he's going to be that big play vertical passing guy. So he's your kind of, he's going to need some development though. So you shouldn't be drafting him 
if you think he's going to make an immediate impact, he's a taxi squad or just kind of guy you're going to have to see, okay, can he break out? But I, I still like him because I think vertically he can stress the field. Do you see him in a similar eye as, you know, maybe I would, yeah, you know, I would probably swap. take Nico over both those guys. I'm not really high on Seth can't, Seth, Seth's, uh, Seth's inability to really play hard and his his catching for me is just two things that I know he played with Bo Nix, who is equally as bad as Michigan quarterbacks. But um, but you know I I get I worry about that because I think Nico has more athletic ability than, than both those guys. And and Sage for me, you know I think it's just to hear what you have to say for Sage. Sage is just somebody that I don't really have a high grade on just because he didn't really look very good at Wake Forest. He looked okay. The one year they had Jamie Newman, he obviously did a little bit better. But that was because if you watch that tape when he, when he played with Jamie, uh, a lot of that was just RPOs. And so when you watch that, there was a lot of times where, yeah, he was open, but it was because of RPOs. And, and you really got to be careful with those college schemes. Um, I, I know this, you know, in 20, and that was 2019, right? Mm-hmm. So in 2019, that's when we had it. So when he, he had his most productive year, he was really running a lot of RPOs with Jamie Newman. I think that he was that was more he's more scheme dependent based on what he did in college, and I, I he's not someone that I, I'm going to be targeting in my drafts. Yeah, I mean, I he was not impressive to me upon first watching him. I mean, his his numbers popped back as somebody that you know would should have high probability of yeah. succeeding in the NFL, you know, just based on college production, but just looking at him, he just seemed like somebody that was really tight. Uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, has good speed, but like, you don't, it doesn't really sh- pop up, you know, consistently mm-hmm. enough. Uh, so, you know, he was somebody that, again, I small sample size, but I just was not, I was not impressed uh, at all. So, um, you know, do want to dig into him some more. So, you know, I don't want to completely dismiss him, but, um, yeah, I'm with you. He wasn't somebody that wasn't impressive. So, um, Kevin, this has been great, man. It's been really awesome. But bef- before I, uh, before we get you off of here, I just want to ask you, right, because I don't play Debbie. I've, you know, Dynasty, Redraft, uh, that's kind of where I, I, you know, I stay in that little, in those lanes right there. Um, I'm sure yeah. a lot of the listeners, same thing as well. So, if you had a minute here to sell me on Debbie and sell anybody else that was listening on listening on Debbie, yeah, you know, uh, why, Debbie why is just something on? for me when I got into Debbie, you know, I, I, I love college football. So for me, it was pretty easy because I was like, Hey, I want to play. I, I like college football. And I was like, wait, there's a league where you can draft college players and just have them on your, on your squad. And so I think it helps with, I think it definitely gives you an advantage over other people that don't. So if you're in a league, if you play Debbie, but then you're in other leagues, because we're all we're all degenerates and play way too many leagues than we need to. So, like, let's say, so, like, for me right now, in all my leagues that I, I, I aren't Debbie leagues, like, I pretty much know where the value is going to be at. And I already know a lot about these guys. Like you said, remember the recruiting process and the scouting process and trying to figure out where these guys are at. And those guys, they don't really necessarily know. And I've done some mock drafts where I got Terrace Marshall in the third round. And I laughed because I'm like, dude, that's not that's not going to happen. But you'll see kind of the value because you kind of already know these guys. And right now, everybody's scrambling. Oh, I got to try to find the film. Um, and another one that I think is cool, I like like one of my first leagues I ever got, I drafted Zeke in, in at Ohio State. 
And then, um, so I got to watch him and then he got drafted by my favorite team, the Cowboys. So I actually had been watching this guy for three years because I, I mean, I, I, I'm a Michigan guy, so it pained me to watch him, but then, then he got drafted by my team and it just kind of, it, it's just a different feel. Like, hey, that's my guy now. Now I get to go. And, and you're basically playing that. And then the cool thing, if you play on my fantasy league, MFL, you can actually create these players and import them on your roster. So you can trade them in dynasty league. So like I, I saw, you know, you can have a trade for like, you know, let's say George Pickens, the wide receiver for Georgia. He got traded for Michael Thomas in one of my leagues this year. So you can trade Debbie guys. And it just adds a whole new dynamic of the game. And it's just a lot of different – it's fun. It's just a different league. But I think, one, you definitely should start slow. Like, you can always kind of jump in. Um, I, I, I'm not like that. I jumped into, like, a 10-round Debbie league. You draft in 10 rounds just for fun. Um, but definitely, you know, it's interesting way to play. And I, it's cool because it helps you understand these guys. You get to watch them. It gives you advantage in rookie drafts. And and I love college football, so it's 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 interesting to see. And I think it helps out with the scouting process because you'll draft some guys as freshmen that just don't pan out. And you can go back and be like, hey, what, what happened with this guy? What did I see? And it helps you later on scout because then you say, okay, well, that guy didn't work. And when you see a prospect with similar traits and basically similar numbers and similar kind of workout and everything, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to avoid this guy based on what I've seen consistently for the last couple of years. So I think it helps out your overall fantasy analysis. And just if not analysis, it helps you kind of look out for guys that you shouldn't want to draft. Yeah, no, I, I definitely you got me excited about joining a Debbie league right now. Uh, you know, I, I feel I've always felt the same way about dynasty leagues is that dynasty helps you in redraft leagues, right? Like, you know, one of the things I'll say is if a guy is a sell in a dynasty league, that usually means that he'll probably, he could potentially be a value to you in a redraft league. So um, that's just one of the, the, the things I've taken away too. So, you know, applying Debbie to dynasty um, and then that to redraft would just, obviously that seems like a whole uh, fantasy football uh the light that I want a part of. So I'm definitely going to have to jump into it, but I, I, I hear it does. Uh, yeah. After that, you got yeah. college to campus or campus to college leagues, whatever that is. <laughs> so it, does, it doesn't seem like it's stopping anytime soon, but uh, Kevin, why don't you tell everybody what you got going on? Yeah. You know, uh, we started that website, which is hard to do uh, this last year and we've seen a lot of growth. And so really right now what I'm focused on, if you guys could, you know, we have a podcast, obviously everybody has a podcast nowadays, uh, but we're really focusing our YouTube channel. So if you go to Hammercast Network, uh, right now, we're building that up. We just basically started doing it in January. Uh, and so that is something to look out for. We put up all our live shows in there. We have Dynasty Debates. Uh, we Our recent one was a Dynasty Trade Value for wide receivers. We go through actual trades that happen. Uh, and so that's something that we're really, really trying to grow. And, you know, Dynasty Rankings, we had that. We have Najee versus ETN Debates. And so if you could go on Hammercast Network on YouTube, subscribe, like, and look at those videos, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, and other than that, I have draft profiles out. So my last one is on She Smith from South Carolina, wide receiver I really like. And so you can go on hammercast.com and find most of my writings there. But I'm, I'm focusing on YouTube right now. And that's something that, as John knows, it's definitely podcasting. YouTube takes a lot of time. So if you could take take a look there, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, man, I would definitely co-sign that. You definitely got to go check Kevin and all the people out at Hammercast Network because uh, they're doing great content. I know Kevin personally puts out great, great content. So uh, definitely going to go back those guys. So please go ahead, follow Kevin at 
D-A-B-O-Y-S underscore 22. The boy on Twitter. The boy is t- underscore 22 on Twitter. Uh, go give him a follow. Go give Hammercast a follow as well. And uh, Kevin, really appreciate you having ha- – really appreciate having you on, man. It was definitely great. And, yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate you having on. Doing you it know, sometime. John's one of the good ones out there, guys. So, you know, follow him as well. Obviously, you are. You listen to this podcast. But just know that he's one of those guys I really appreciate, and he's really grinding for you guys. So thanks for having me on, John. Appreciate that, Kevin.